Good morning. Well, that was an enthusiastic good morning. I think we're on for a good time together this morning. That's good. Welcome. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Al. I'm one of the leaders here at Gateway. It's such a privilege to worship together, and now it's a privilege to open the Bible together and to look at his word and to be challenged and encouraged in that. But before we get into the word, before we, before we uh, look at what the Bible has to say, I wonder if you're up for a bit of audience participation. A mixed bag, not sure. So this is a do you recognize this person quiz. So we're going to have five people come up on the screen and I want you to very simply put your hand up in the air if you know who they are. Okay, very simple. Some of them will appeal to an older audience. Some might appeal to a younger audience. So, you know, there's a, there's a mixed bag in here. So, show you the first person coming up on the screen. Anyone know this person? 90%. Young people, do you know, these, do you know this person? Yes, you do as well. Fantastic. You've been watching the news. Jaheem, good job. You've been paying attention to BBC News. Next person. Everyone know who this is? You guys have seen him in concert. Anyone else seen Ed Sheeran in concert? Yeah, Callum. Few other people, Jean Marc, you see Ned Sheeran. Next person. Less people, a few. Denzel Washington, great actor, um, been in lots of movies. Can't name all of them right now. Right, next. Okay. That's not bad. Mix of age demographics know this guy. Very popular in the music industry, Harry Styles. And the last one. Doug, you're a secret YouTuber. <laughs> Stuart's a secret YouTuber as well. Catherine's a YouTuber. This guy has about 45 million YouTube following, a guy called KSI. Um, I kind of only expected everyone under the age of 25 to know him. So those of you who are over 25 and watch KSI, fair enough, down with the kids. You can tell that Doug has just got involved in doing youth work if he's watching KSI. So if you put your hand up then, then clearly you're called to do youth ministry because you're clearly down with, I don't even, I don't watch KSI, I'm just going to put it out there, so maybe my time is up. Um, so anyway, have any of you met any of these people? Has anyone met any of those people on the screen? Does anyone know them personally? You see, there's a, it's really interesting, there's, there's a world of difference between recognizing somebody or knowing about somebody as actually knowing them personally, or knowing someone deeply and intimately. And our word in the English language, no, kind of covers a really broad spectrum, doesn't it? From I recognize someone's face on a screen, to I maybe I've met them once or twice, to maybe I call them an acquaintance, or if I pass them in the street, I would sort of stop and, and say hi, to a kind of really deep and personal knowledge of somebody. Our word is a really, really broad spectrum that word to know. But like I said, there's a massive difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody deeply and personally. And as we get into the Bible today, what we're going to see is that the invitation of Jesus to everyone here, whether you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, is not just to know about Jesus, not just to recognize him, not just to know about him intellectually, not even merely to be his acquaintance, but to live in a deep, personal, experiential knowledge and friendship and communion 
with Jesus Christ now and forever. That is the invitation this morning, to know Jesus, not just to know about him, not just to know him a little bit, but to live in a deep and personal friendship with him, both now and into eternity. And if you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, then today he invites you into friendship with him. Because of his death on a cross 2,000 years ago, because he rose again gloriously three days later, he invites you into communion and friendship with himself today. And if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, the invitation is don't settle for anything less than deep, personal, intimate friendship with Jesus Christ. Don't settle for just coming to church and knowing a little bit about him. Don't settle for just opening the words of the Bible and going, oh, he's a, he's a good God, he's nice. Don't settle for anything less than knowing him personally, because that is the invitation that he calls you to today. And so we're going to look at John chapter 10. Uh, open your Bibles if you want to, if you've got them. I'm reading from the ESV. It's going to come up on the screen. So in John 10, Jesus has just healed uh, a blind man, and he's having this dialogue and debate with the Pharisees or the religious rulers of the day, as he so often did. And he challenges their thinking. He, he provokes them. He's not willing to upset them at points. And so we're going to read John uh, chapter, one, uh, chapter 10, verses 1 to 21, and then really focus in on two verses right in the middle of this passage. Okay? So, Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, whenever Jesus repeats a word, it means you need to pay attention. He means really, really, absolutely, absolutely, amen, amen, this is super important. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. When he has brought them out on his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. As so often as Jesus talks, the Pharisees, they don't understand. They don't compute what he's saying. So Jesus says again to them, Truly, truly, he said, come on, guys, pay attention here. This is super important. This is absolute truth. I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, that's Jesus, he will be saved and go out in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. You're going to hear this. He, he repeats this over and over in this passage. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and he flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And here's where we're going to focus in on today. We're going to keep going for a moment. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. 
just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. That's five times in three or four verses where Jesus tells us he's going to lay down his life for his people. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father, there was again a division among the Jews. Jesus isn't afraid to provoke a reaction in people. He doesn't kind of sit on the fence to try and kind of win everybody. He says it how it is, okay? He's willing to put it all out on the line, and this is the consequence. Many of them think he's mad. Many of them said he's a demon, and he's insane. Why listen to him? Others said these are not the words of the one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You see, you can't listen to the words of Jesus and sit on the fence. You can't just kind of go, well, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Either he's true and he's the son of God, or he's insane. That's the choices he's left us with. You can't sit in the middle ground. Either he is who he says he is, and he did what he said he was going to do, or pay no attention to anything. Jesus Christ isn't happy if you just sit on the fence of your life. He wants to provoke a reaction and say, I want to be all in to following him. So we are going to focus in on verses 14 and 15, where Jesus says these words, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. In one sentence, Jesus uses the word to know four times. I know my own, my own know me, I know the Father, and the Father knows me. And in, unlike for us, our word know, we kind of have one word that encapsulates a broad range of understanding. In Greek, there's a, there's a word that is used to describe uh, a kind of deep, personal, intimate knowledge and experience of something that is being used here, a word called ginosko. Anyone who speaks Greek, sorry, I just crucified a Greek word. And the word that's being used here by Jesus isn't about head knowledge. It's not even about understanding. It's to know something through personal and experience of somebody. To experience someone or something in a deep and personal way. It's a relational kind of knowing, not a head knowledge kind of knowing. And when Jesus says to his people, and he says to you today, I know my own, he doesn't just know about you. He doesn't just know you intellectually. He's not just aware of you. He's not just acquainted with you. He knows you deeply and personally and intimately and in a deep relational way that no one else knows you like. Jesus, the God of the universe, knows you. He knows you. Think about this for a moment. He knows your person and your character. You might think that's a good thing. You might think that's a bad thing. He knows your battles. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your sin. He knows you deeply and intimately. You are graven on the palm 
of his hands. He wants to be your friend, so much so that he laid down his life for you and for I to make this happen. I can only know Jesus because he first knew me. There's this wonderful story at the beginning of John, John chapter 1, where Jesus encounters a guy called Nathaniel, who would go on to be his disciple. And Jesus meets him for the first time. Jesus and Nathaniel had never, never met in person before. And when Jesus approaches Nathaniel, he speaks this truth over him. He says, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel is just floored on the ground going, what is going on? And he looks at Jesus and he says, how do you know me? Same Greek word, ginosko. How do you know me? We've never met before, yet Jesus knows Nathaniel in a deep and personal way. And it floors Nathaniel. And Nathaniel says, behold, the son of God. And then he goes and be his follower. You see, when we, know, that when we know and when we understand that Jesus Christ knows you deeply and personally, and you go, God, how is it that you know me and yet you still love me? There is a wonderful relief and a wonderful freedom that comes to know that Jesus' understanding of me is completely realistic. When he called me, he wasn't under any illusions. He's not surprised by my failure. He's not surprised that I'm a, I don't follow him you know, always to the best of my ability. He's not surprised by that. He's under no illusions when he calls. He's not deluded when he called me. He knows. He sees all my failures and weaknesses. Yeah, he wants me as a friend. Yet he's called us into covenant relationship with him, a co-heir, a partner in the kingdom of God. Just think about this for a moment. This is the God of the universe who knows us. Not in an abstract way, not in an intellectual way, in a deep and personal and relational way. But you know what the staggering reversal is? I know my own, Jesus says, and my own know me. Exactly the same Greek word, exactly the same invitation, in the same way that Jesus knows you, in the same way that Jesus knows the Father, and the Father knows the Son, so you are invited to know Jesus. You are invited to know Jesus in the same way that he knows you. Mind blown. The God of the Bible, the God that we worship as Christians, is a trinity. Three in one, yet one in a way that we can't quite understand. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, existing in perfect, loving union and relationship with love flowing from the Father to the Son and the Son to the Father and the Son to the Spirit in this wonderful Trinitarian relationship forever and ever from beginning to end, that's the relationship that the Father and the Son have. And the Bible says, and Jesus says, I want to invite you to know me in the same way that the Father knows the Son and the Son knows the Father. That's madness. How, how is that? What? We're invited into that same level of communion as the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father in the way that Jesus knows you. It's a staggering reversal. It is a vast invitation. It's a wonderful invitation. Think of the magnitude of this invitation. 
to be invited to know the God of the universe. And it goes beyond theory. It goes beyond intellectual understanding. It's a knowledge that comes from experiencing relationship with Jesus in an intimate and personal way. I was talking to Callum about this on Friday, and he said it's kind of a difference between knowing, knowing how to fix a car from watching a YouTube video compared to being a mechanic for 30 years. You can't say I'm a mechanic by watching a YouTube video. You can give it a go, and you might do a good job of it, but there's nothing like the knowledge of actually doing something for 30 plus years, of actually being a mechanic. And we were made for relationship with God. We were made to know him, to commune with him now and forever. And though sin brought ruin and separation of our relationship to God through Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, who willingly laid down his life for us, we can now enter into deep and personal relationship and knowledge with Jesus forever and ever. John 17, 3 says this, this is eternal life, that they know you. Same Greek word, not intellectual knowledge, experience knowledge, relational knowledge. They know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the church in Philippi, which Ant read in the prayer meeting, Kaz talked about this morning, neither of them know I was going to speak on this today. Everything in this world is lost, worthless, and rubbish. The Apostle Paul uses the word dung, literally rubbish, compared to knowing God in this kind of way. Intimately communing with him now and forever. What an amazing, amazing God he is, that he invites us into this same kind of knowing that he knows us, that he knows the Father, and that the Father knows him. And for each one of us this morning, that is the invitation. That's the invitation for each one of us today. Deep, personal connection, communion, relationship, and love to Jesus Christ now and into eternity. That's the invitation. That's what he's calling each one of us to today. And friends, I just want to ask this question as a bit of self-reflection. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, how are you and Jesus? Do you know him? And I mean... Do you know him like we've just talked about? Do you you desire to know Jesus in the way that we've just read about in John 10, that there's a, a deep communion and friendship and relationship with him? Is that the desire of your heart? Because if we're deeply honest with ourselves, many of us, myself included, settle to just know a bit about him. Oh, if I just know a bit more about him. Or we just observe him. Or we just simply scratch the surface of our relationship with Jesus. Because it's one thing 
to know about Jesus. It's another to know him as your friend. It's one thing to attend church. It's another to spend a lifetime building a deep and personal friendship with Jesus Christ. Read Matthew 7.23. It's possible to do many good things for Jesus, many mighty works in his name, and to never know him. Same Greek word being used there. It's possible to do great things in the name of God, but to never actually have a deep communion and relationship with him. And somehow for me, and I'm guessing I'm not alone in this, if I am, I'm speaking to myself, maybe that's not a bad thing. The most important thing where the Apostle Paul says everything else is rubbish, everything else is just trash compared to knowing Jesus, somehow that gets relegated in the pile of busyness and distraction and other things get elevated that we forget or downgrade this most important invitation we could ever respond to, which is to know Jesus as a personal friend and to commune with him and to walk with him. Somehow that sinks and these other things raise to the surface. And we forget sometimes or we get distracted sometimes that the God of the universe, the God who flung stars into space, the God who created the sunrise for this morning, the God who died in your place, invites you into communion with him. That's the invitation. And I, at the start of September, I decided I was going to take a day uh, just to kind of have a bit of a retreat day to go and pray. I, w- I want to try and build this into my rhythm, like once a term, just go away for the day and just to pray. And so here was me. I, I went driving. I went and found a place in the Cotswolds where um, I was going to go walking. And I was like, right, here's my shopping list of things I want to pray for today. All these things I want to pray for, young people, for Gateway, lots of other things about the life of the church. Come right, I've, cool, I've got this prayer list come. And I'm starting to walk, and I just feel the whisper of the Spirit with God saying, but Al, do you know me? And if I'm being honest, I'm a bit annoyed at God at this point. Because I wanted to pray for stuff, but Jesus is like, I want to know you. And he's like, are you really walking with me? I'm like, God, why do you have to ask that kind of question? What kind of question is that? And for most of my time, that was what I just reflected on. Because it's very easy to pray for stuff, especially as a church leader. There's a whole load of things we need to pray for in the life of the church. But Jesus actually wants me to know him and to live and to lead out of a place of communion and knowledge and relationship with him. And my honest answer to God, and my honest answer before you as friends today, was, no, God, I think I've settled for something less than I've read about in John 10 this morning. I think when I read the invitation of Jesus to say, Al, I know you, and I want you to know me in the same way, when I read that, I think, well, no, I've settled for some depth of relationship with Jesus. I've scratched the surface. And he said, there's more, Al. There's more I want from you. And I think the invitation is the same for each one of us today. I know the invitation is the same. I don't know where you're at with Jesus. But my guess is that many of us have done this. Jesus gets relegated and other things get prioritized. And we're sat here going, Jesus, do I really know you? And it's the desire of my heart to be like Paul saying, everything else is dung. Everything else is rubbish compared to knowing 
Jesus. Knowing Jesus in this kind of way, I believe, is the place of true peace and true joy and true contentment because this is what we were made for. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden before sin ruined everything. Walking with God in the cool of the night. Communing with him in perfect fellowship. Do you think they felt they had need? Do you think they were, yeah, no. Were they contented? Of course they were. Because they knew God. And friends, because of Jesus Christ, because of his death and his resurrection, we can know him in the same way that Adam and Eve walked with him in the garden. We can know him deeply, that we are communing and just as love overflowing, and we just say, this is the God, he's my friend. And when we know Jesus as our true friend, that's the place of peace. That's the place of contentment. That's the place of joy. That's the place where our striving ends, because we found the one thing that we were truly made for to know Jesus and to be friends of God. Jesus has this amazing vision for your life and for my life. What is it? To know him like he knows you. What an amazing vision that we get a lifetime to explore, and eternity, we get all of eternity to explore and to understand and to know and to commune with the God of the Bible. To count everything else as rubbish compared to what Paul says this, the surpassing worth, the supreme worth, the superior worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth. Paul says there's nothing else that's worth more. It's like the greatest thing is to know Christ Jesus, my Lord. This kind of knowing Jesus isn't a kind of overnight thing. You can't flick a switch on and go, ah, fantastic. Me and Jesus, we're great right now. That's it, friends for life. This is going to take years of forming ourselves it takes practice to understand, to, to grow into this kind of relationship with Jesus. And Sam earlier was talking about habits and practices and being formed into the likeness of Jesus. And, and that's so true. And to, to, to know Jesus as a friend, just like it takes to know any friend or a spouse or as a, as a parent, as a child, it takes years of knowing them and understanding them and developing a connection with them. It doesn't just happen overnight. No marriage is built on a vow on one day. A marriage is built over years and years and years of investment and love and sacrifice together. And so to know Jesus in this kind of way takes years of practice. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news if you're looking for a quick fix. This takes years of walking faithfully and consistently with Jesus and growing in him in the way that he invites us to. And it's going to take us to reprioritize some things and it's going to take us to strip some things back as Sam was talking about earlier. But I don't want to leave us kind of going, this is massive. What on earth do we do? Where on earth do we go from here? We've got to take a step. We've got to take start somewhere. We need to respond somehow. We need to strip some things back. We need to leave some things 
behind. And for most of us in a Western culture, the number one thing that would prevent us from knowing Jesus is busyness and distraction. I love the quote that's in uh, John Mark Homer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, where he talks about a conversation with John Ortberg, uh, who had quoted his mentor, Dallas Willard, and he said this, hurry, or busyness or distraction, is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. To know Jesus, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Hurry will stop us from knowing Jesus in the way that he invites us to because we're too busy focusing on everything else and suddenly Jesus is just somewhere in the mix and we get to the end of our days and we're exhausted and we're burnt out and we're run down and we go, oh yeah, Jesus, I know you're there. Thanks for being there to me today. Amen. Get up, rinse and repeat. We're exhausted and we're tired and we're distracted and we're busy. And Jesus says, I want to know you, friends. I want to walk with you. I want to commune with you. I just want to be with you. And we're saying, yeah, I'll get to you later, Jesus, because I'm hurrying around and I'm worried about other things. And, and what about this and that and distraction and busyness? And for most of us, it's the number one thing that will prevent us from really entering into this kind of beautiful, intimate, deep communion with Jesus that he calls us to, that he invites us to, that he wants for each one of us. And so I want to just say, if you would like to take a step this week, I want to say take one simple step. When you get home later, open your diary or look on your phone, whatever kind of method that you use. Look at what makes up your week. Have a look at your diary. What's in there? What's happening? And ask yourself this one question. What's one thing I can do this week to simplify and to slow down to be with Jesus and his people? What's one thing, maybe one appointment I can move, or one bit of time I can get up earlier, or one time I can, I can go to bed a bit earlier so I can get up earlier, or one time where I can spend the evening in the presence of Jesus, or just one thing where I can shift around this week, or I've got a half an hour lunch break here, I'm just going to go and go for a walk with Jesus at that point. What's one thing? We've got to start somewhere. Knowing Jesus takes years, we've got to start somewhere. What's one thing that in your diary you can say, Jesus, I want to put you into that? And what we'll find is as we do that, Oh, I want a bit more time with you, Jesus. I want a bit more time with you, Jesus. Suddenly, he starts to take the priority of our diaries, not our diaries taking priority over Jesus. One step. Open your diary. Open your phone. Whatever it looks like, say, Jesus, I want to be with you, and I want to be with your people. Because this isn't a solitary adventure. This is a community activity. It's not, ah, fantastic. That means I won't go to church next Sunday. I'll be with Jesus. That's not really the goal. Don't hear that. Come and beat. You need to be with God's people. Because actually in community, we find life in Jesus. But we also need to know how to be with Jesus for ourselves. Intimately, friendship with God, one-to-one, us and him. So I just want to say, I want to invite you. That's one step. Maybe there's another step that works for you. But that's a simple step. Look at your diary. Go, Jesus, I want to know you. The desire of my heart is to experience this kind of relationship that we've talked about this morning. Jesus says, I know you. You are called to know me just as the Son knows the Father and the Father knows the Son. He lays down his life for you. And I want to finish by just reading from 
Philippians 3, which Ant read from in the prayer meeting and I've referenced today. The Apostle Paul writing, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, trash, dung, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul says, that I may know him. Same Greek word, that I may experience him, that I may be friends with him, that I may commune with him, that I may have a deep and personal and intimate connection with my friend, Jesus Christ, and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Amen. And so I'd just like us to, unusually, we actually have time. Thank you, Lord, for slowing down time. Just a very quick funny story, and then we'll, then we'll respond. Ella, Ella was saying to me, she's like, Dad, I prayed in school this week. I was like, that's amazing. I was like, what did you pray? She's like, the history lesson would go faster. I was like, did God answer? She said, no, he didn't. I'm like, well, you need to get... Anyway, side, side point. What I'd like us to do, just by way of just responding, is if you feel, I guess in two ways, just stirred by what I've shared this morning, uh, that sense of... Yeah, Jesus, I have that desire. I just want to know you. And I wonder if, John, you could just come up and just play, if that's okay. Just a stirring in your spirit to say, oh, there's just something of, like, I want to know Jesus in this kind of way. Maybe I've settled for kind of a, my walk with Jesus. It's just kind of reached this level. And I'm like, but actually, there's something more that Jesus is calling me to. Or if you know that, you know, even for some of what's been shared this morning about really just entering into the fullness of God and what Sam was sharing about stripping back and what I was saying about busyness and distraction. And maybe you just need to come before God and say, God, I, I actually just need to repent of putting you, of relegating you to, to the second division of my life. What I'd love just you to do uh, is just to, just to stand in the presence of God. Um, there's something about being vulnerable before friends as well. And I just want to you know, only if like, you feel God speaking to you in the spirit, I just want to invite you just to stand in his presence. And just to hold your hands out or close your eyes or maybe you want to kneel, whatever really works. It doesn't really, and if you're not comfortable standing, then just sit, that's fine too. It's about you and Jesus. And I just want to kind of invite us into kind of like a holy, just intimate moment with Jesus. Yeah, there's lots of people around us but just to be still in the presence of God and you and him do some business together where you just kind of maybe say, Jesus, I want to know you in this kind of way. 
Jesus, I want to just, I want to respond to that invitation this morning. Jesus, I know that you've been, I've relegated you. We have a few minutes where we just, John just plays and we just stand or kneel or sit in quiet before the Lord. I believe he wants to minister to us. There's so much grace on offer today. He doesn't condemn you. He invites you in. He doesn't, he's not going to go, ah, oh, where have you been? No, no, come, come, come. I'm inviting you in. I'm inviting you in. So much grace. He has open arms for you today. No matter how far away you think you've been, no matter how lax you think you've been in your walk with Jesus, his invitation is in. Come in. I want to know you. Listen to these words from Revelation 21. This is the intimacy of friendship with God that we will one day be in for eternity. And I saw no temple for the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. Jesus, I want to thank you that the trajectory for those who know you is to be with you for eternity. And I want to thank you, Jesus, that you invite us into that kind of intimacy today. We don't have to wait until we meet you face to face. Sure, there's going to be something that we blows our minds when we meet with you, but I thank you that you've invited us into friendship today so that when we pass the glory, it's the continuation of our friendship to you. I thank you, Lord, that you will be the lamp that lights. Lord, you will be the glory. And I bless us today as friends. I bless us today that we would know you as our friend and our saviour. Lord Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to do the work of change, of practice of reforming habits that is so hard sometimes because it feels like am I ever going to make any progress Lord but I thank you that so often Lord it's life comes by a thousand small choices and I want to pray that we would make small choices that gravitate our lives towards friendship with Jesus Christ now and forever I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ who was and is and is to come. Amen.